Welcome to Don't Tell Baba, the conversational podcast with Middle Eastern flair. My name is Shireen and my co-host is Nude. And today we're going to be talking about romance because Nude is indulging me. (laughs) I mean, I'm excited to talk about this too. I'm going to learn a lot. This is one of my favorite things in the world. And it's I can say that, uh, but I think Nude can confirm that I'm a huge romance. Absolutely. One of your favorite things in the world. I'm a junkie. Like, I'm an expert in all things uh, under the genre of romance. True this. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's so deeply relaxing to me. Like, I can be dying like I am right now, for example, <laughs> and, and just be able to like, pull, up, pull a novel off of my shelf and just immediately forget about whatever was killing me. Oh, so I love that for you. Yes, unsurprisingly, I have been consuming a lot because again, I've been dying a little bit. Yeah, to everyone listening, without divulging details of our personal lives, this year so far, it hasn't it's been a lot. Mhm. It hasn't let up for either of us, not for a second. No, but I I would argue that you've had it a little bit a little bit rougher than I have. Yeah, it's just back to back to back to back for me, isn't it? Yeah, like it's raining and pouring and the old man is snoring heavily. Yeah, it reminds me of what you said last year when we were doing our um, New Year's Eve kind of wrap-up episode when you told me it's a lot better to have a shitty beginning of the year because then everything else won't seem as bad. And girl, I'm holding on to that with every muscle I have. Girl, tell me it was one of my psychic moments. It was one of your psychic moments. Also, though, I will say it hasn't been like bad, bad. I've just been extremely busy and stressed because of the things that are keeping me busy. Yeah. So it really, really is a lot of it's just the the sheer number of things that you have to juggle on a daily right now is overwhelming. Yeah, it's it's frankly ridiculous. The good news is that I love romance novels and I'm here to be everybody's kind of like one-stop shop for recommendations and discussions on the genre and what it has done for me and what I think it does for other people. So it will be Hooray! fun. <laughs> it will be very fun. Um, so obviously I'm nowhere near as much of an expert in the romance novel genre, mm-hmm. I can probably count on all of my extremities. So like <laughs> my fingers and my toes, like definitely more than 10, but less than 20, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not a big number. And I'm no. definitely not an expert because I seek out. Actually, no, it's funny. A lot of my romance novels have just been handed to me or have been like taken off of someone else's shelf. I've mm-hmm. only purchased one romance novel, which I bought with you, Shushu. Yeah. And then I read it in one day a couple of days ago. Yes. And I texted you. <laughs> you texted me because I think there was like a disheveled cravat in there and you immediately sent me a picture and I was like, oh yeah, that's the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, there was definitely a disheveled cravat. It was uh, it was an older book, mm. right? Lorraine mm-hmm. Heath, a yeah. classic. Mm. Um, but like it did what it was, it did its job. So... I think that romance has – okay, so actually I do want to backtrack a little bit. 
I was reading something today. I'm on Twitter a lot, so um, lurking. I don't even participate. I just like to lurk on Twitter. And I saw that there was a library in Pennsylvania, I think, that did like a reading, a like bad romance reading where they would like read excerpts from romance novels and make fun of it. And the article said, because romance is the rubbish bin of literature. Ooh. And I was like, oh my God. Because every day on Twitter is a let's shit on romance day. And it's unfortunate. Why do you follow these accounts? No, I don't follow these accounts, but romance authors, I follow comment on this because why because they feel the need to defend the genre because it's their livelihood it's their passion and it would kind of be like someone being like scientists are stupid i would be the first one to be like excuse me most of us are not right (laughs) Um, i mean our current government is telling us that teachers are pieces of shit and like much of the public seems to be buying that. So I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And so teachers then feel the need to protest, though, because they're like, obviously, we're not. Um, yeah, dude, we're pissed. So I do think that romance gets a really bad rap as not being real literature. And I honestly think I'm a really good person to say that's bullshit because I have read all the real, quote unquote, real literature in yes. the world. Yes. So so whatever people want, I've read it. I've read the Hemingway. I've read the Dostoevsky. I've read the Shakespeare. I've read it all. You have. And I will tell you all now that for the most part, romance is at the root of most stories, including the real literature. It's at the root That's of true. The Great Gatsby. It's at the root of Romeo and Juliet. It's at the root of Crime and Punishment even. It's at the root of most stories, so we can't discount romance and its importance just because it's just because it's being marketed as romance. It doesn't mean it's any less important. You raise such a great point that I have never considered. Most stories center around romance, and even when they don't, there is a peripheral romantic pursuit. Yeah, absolutely. Like where? Wait, where is a story with? Okay, no. Um, metamorphosis kafka there was no identifiable romance that i can recall so you can find a couple where they're you know i i've read a lot of um like i've read all of shakespeare but like i would say that there's no romance in like julius caesar for example you know in like maybe more of the political plays but there's romance in henry v you know there's 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 romance in a lot of of these plays, a lot of the novels I've read, there's romance in a lot of Hemingway. There's certainly romance in every single Fitzgerald novel that you will pick up. And um, romance in every conversation between friends. Exactly. It's it's such a like big thing. Uh, it's kind of disappointing that it's always written off so fast as a genre and made fun of. And I think it's actually one of the hardest genres to write because in my experience, it requires tapping into a lot of your own vulnerability Um, because it would be a lot easier for me to just write like a really douchey story with no romance (laughs) because I don't have to tap into a lot of of like my deeper emotions. Um, Of course, I envy writers who can just write without tapping into any emotions, but that's not me. Can't relate. but what I th- writers are these that tap into nothing? Come on. I have no idea. I don't think it's possible. I think if writers tap into nothing, they are giving me emotionless writing. Yes, if you tap into nothing, you produce nothing. 
Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think that romance does a lot of work as far as uh, books can do work in that it kind of informs women um, that they are worthy of a lot of things. And it Mm -hmm. informs everybody who reads it that you deserve to be loved because I guarantee I can find you a romance hero or heroine who is just like you somehow some way just like you and yeah that's fair sometimes seeing characters like that just have this like sweeping like romance is really comforting when you're going through it a little bit or when you don't feel like you're worthy of love or you don't feel like you're interesting or cool enough these books tell you yes you are we all are period do you remember the book that did this for you Like the first book that made you feel like you could have this heroine's life. So this is this is like a fun and interesting thing is that romance, actual romance came into my life very late because what was available to us in the Middle East, as far as the genre goes, was kind of like not that great. Um, And. They, they had these like big fat anthologies that I've mentioned before and they were just historical anthologies and the covers were just women in like beautiful period costumes. And, you know, it's not like Book Corner was looking at them and being like, yeah, this is definitely sexy because they, they didn't think it was, you know. Um, yeah. But and those heroines were not like me. Those heroines were very um, classic heroines. And the, the stories probably weren't that. Um, recent like I don't know what the publication dates were but they probably weren't like super modern um, for me it was probably Pride and Prejudice I think a lot of women find Elizabeth Bennett and somehow she is just like us no matter the kind of person you are she is somehow just like That's you true. Mm-hmm. and and I think seeing her and f- whatever you want to call Pride and Prejudice it's a romance novel Jane Austen was writing contemporary romance for her time period so I know it's like, quote unquote, a classic. It's a romance novel. It ends in a happily ever after. It centers around a romance. It's romance. (laughs) You know what? When you first told me in so many words that Pride and Prejudice was a romance novel is when I started questioning my own opinion on romance novels and chick flicks. Do you want to tell me what your opinion was? I don't know. I feel, and I still feel this, which Mm -hmm. is why I don't consume it as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it's repetitive. Like, it's very Mm -hmm. predictable. The arc is predictable. I know how it's going to end. And that, for me, is half of the fun of consuming media, is that Mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to end. Or there's at least a question as to how it would end, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I actually find the predictability of romance to be very comforting but i would also in that it has to end with a happily ever after if it is not a happily ever after it's not a romance it's not romance it's, it's not mm-hmm. romance but i feel like a lot of books that are being published recently have been a lot more exciting um That's and fair. yeah so and and i think that out of all the genres, this one has evolved the most, in my opinion. Like, this one has tried to keep up the most with, like, social issues and what is okay and what isn't okay because it has to. 
Um, That's true. As like as like women's roles in this world have changed and marginalized people, like their stories have changed. Romance moves very fast to reflect that, to reflect all of our stories. And I think it is a genre for the marginalized people. You know, it's always for people without power. Those are always your heroes or heroines. That's um, very true. Because for the most part, I don't want to read about people who have power. I don't care about them falling in love. They have <laughs> they have like money and shit, right? Um, right yes but no no genre has moved as quickly and has evolved as quickly as romance so i can bet that i could recommend a novel to you that would maybe throw you for a loop you know what why don't we jump into a couple of recommendations and then as we talk about them a few things that i wanted to to ask you questions about so that you could Mm -hmm. educate myself and the audience Mm -hmm. i wanted to talk about tropes yes I wanted to talk about your favorites and least favorites. Okay, I love tropes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to talk about use of language because I feel like that's a common complaint Mm. about romance is that the language is like overtly flowery. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also wanted to address um, two more topics. One of them is probably your favorite and the other is probably both our favorite. I think you okay. know what I'm about to say. Yeah. I want to discuss types of heroines. Okay. And types of heroes. Oh, I love heroes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm so, happy I'm happy to address all of those things. So do you want to do that first or do you want to give us some recommendations? I I'll let me give some recommendations actually. Um, disclaimer to everybody, I am a historical romance person through and through, but that does not mean that I have not read other kinds of romance. It just means that when I have the choice, I will read historical. So a lot of my recommendations will be historical. And if you think that historicals are boring, I guarantee you they're not. Um, they actually don't have as much history in them as you would expect. They're kind of just set in the past. Yep. Um, this is not like me forcing you to read like Richard III, which is obviously not a romance novel, but like you don't need that level of background. You, it could have been. It, it could. There was like one line in there, there where I'm like, there was I, one I, line. I would put you that in a romance. <laughs> yeah, I would put that in a romance novel. Um, you should. Oh my god, you should. You should fucking spin off of that one line and do. Like, oh, a I whole could. Novel. I could do. I it. know. That's why I'm telling you to. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, you don't need that much historical context. For the most part, if the book is well-written, you honestly shouldn't have to look up that much, you know, unless you're very interested in the time period, which is cool. So let's see. The historical romance that I always recommend to people who are looking to get into either romance or historical is A Week to be Wicked by Tessa Dare. Um, I already like the title. One, because the title is amazing. Two, because this book, it's like if... People are always like, I don't know if I like historical, Shireen. I don't know if I like romance. I'm like, if you do not like A Week to be Wicked, I will leave you alone forever. But Mm -hmm. every time, without fail, these people come back to me and they're like, holy shit. One of my friend's friends was freaking out about it on Instagram because the book (laughs) is making rounds and I'm changing lives out here. I love it. Okay, fine. I'll read it. Fine. So A Week to be Wicked is great because it has um, a heroine who is very smart. She is a uh, geologist, 
uh, kind of, or what you would call a geologist now, but because it's set in the Regency, she's not allowed to like be a scientist, right? Wait a minute, because it was set in the re- Regency, would she be like Jane from like Tarzan and Jane? Pretty much, yeah. So, like Jane but she, but she doesn't. Her, right? She doesn't have like a job. Job, you know. She just does this for fun. She freaking loves rocks. It's fine. We all love a good rock, you know. Yeah, good for her. Um, and so she has been. Uh, discovering things like fossils and stuff like that. She's very smart. Um, And so she's been submitting these things to the Royal Geological Society under a man's name because she's not allowed to publish scientific findings as a woman. The Royal Geological... I know. The Royal Geological Society invites her to accept an award, if I remember correctly, and she's like, holy shit, I'm like not the man they think I am. So she convinces. Tell me she hires the guy. She convinces her local rake to fake an elopement, <laughs> run away with rake. her, run away with her, uh, split the four hundred pound prize so that she can actually feel like her work means something. And that is a killer storyline in and of itself. That is a killer storyline. I the second the second I knew that somebody was going to be hired, there was a power dynamic at play that I wanted to interact with. So that's exciting. Go. That's a go. good synopsis, Shushu. That is a strong A plus fucking synopsis. Yes. So if anyone is looking to get into romance. A Week to Be Wicked by Tessa Dare. It's part of a bigger series, but I think you don't have to read, you don't, when you read romance, you don't actually have to read things in order because the author should be writing them as standalones. They may loosely connect, but you're fine otherwise. The books? Yeah, the books. I mean, like I, so I was just listening to a series and this will bring me up to my next recommendation. I was listening to a series and I listened to the first book and it was good. I listened to the second book and it was good. And I'm just like doing this to distract myself in lab so that I have something to do, right? Um, And in the third book or something, I get a sense of this character who keeps showing up and I'm like, you are a hero. You seem like you might be a Shireen approved hero. I must <laughs> I must experience your story right now immediately. So I skipped to book six. And that's nice. okay because in romance it should they should never build on each other like that. They'll be loosely connected. But if you're more interested in a certain trope or a certain couple, you are able to just go and find them. No problem. You say couple. If yes. people wanted to read romance about non-traditional partnerships, um, in which maybe there are multiple partners or uh, non-monogamous couplings. Would people be able to find something like that at their local romance bookseller? Absolutely. The thing is with me is that I mostly read historical, so it does end up being a little bit traditional. That's fine. But there's a lot of there are a lot of stories out there about people of different um gender identities, different ethnic backgrounds, uh, in different kind of kinds of relationships, you know, like it's out there. All of it is out there. Just because I haven't read it personally, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that it doesn't exist. I can I can recommend uh, a lesbian historical for everybody. Would um, you? Yeah. So there is a book by Olivia Waite called A Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics, and Ooh. which is already just like a killer title. Holy shit! Wow. <laughs> yes. So um, is the is the author queer? Uh, I am not 100% sure, but I believe so. So I believe that this is what they call an own voices romance. But um, 
which means that the author is like writing from a place of understanding. I know that this book is very popular. I think that if the author weren't queer, the romance community would have caught on real quick. And so, lost it. Yeah, for sure. And lost it. So I, I'm Bye, comfortable Olivia. recommending it. Uh, Olivia Wait, And that's W-A-I-T-E. That one is actually a pretty fun book as well. It's, um, it's you know, you usually get like heterosexual couples in historicals. I will say that that's how this subgenre kind of fails. But uh, the lady, A Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics is very good and features a lesbian couple. Fantastic. Thank you for that recommendation. I appreciate it. And I'm sure that many of our queer audience members also appreciate it. To our queer audience members, whose couplings we cannot recommend books for, we're very sorry, but a quick Google search should bring up a podcast that does do that, right? Absolutely. And if you need my help finding things, I'm always happy to find things. Again, just because I haven't read it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I think that one is really good. That's exciting. But yes, uh, another another historical that I can readily recommend is, um, gosh, you know, it's funny with romance is that all of the titles kind of end up blending in your head, <laughs> which is really funny and kind of unfortunate. But this was another historical. Like I said, this was part of a series and I skipped to book six because I was so excited uh, because I knew that the hero would be up my alley, and he was. And that book is A Duke of Her Own by Eloisa James. And this has got... Yeah. <laughs> now that we're here. Now that we're here. You said that this was a Shireen-approved hero. Could mm -hmm. you please tell us what that means? Yes, I was just going to say, this is one of those books, and I was listening to it, right? I Because um, I can't read at work. I don't have like a desk job where that's possible. And this is one of those, I would be like alone in the tissue culture hood or like in the lab alone for whatever reason. And every so often I'd be like, Jesus Christ. Or you just hear like a very whisper, whispered, God damn. Like, and that's how I know a book is good. Honestly, Can, romance, okay. yes. Are there really no cute scientists to catch hold of you? No. listening to your no. romance novels like you see how this is a trope in and of itself right i would i would never read this no My i would read this i would absolutely read this so so usually how i can tell romance is good it'll either elicit a physical reaction in you like you'll get heart palpitations or you will mm -hmm. actually feel the need to say something out loud that's how I know it's good. So when that happens to me, and this book was a combination of both heart palpitations and me constantly whispering, what the hell? <laughs> because the hero was Shireen approved. The hero in this book, and he shows up in a lot of the other books, and I zoned in immediately because I was like, I must know more. Just <laughs> my romance radar is really good now. I um, believe you. Yeah, he's cynical and has dry wit, and he's a duke and i was just like yes please more so it it was it's always the dry wit that does it for me with heroes a lot of the time okay here's the thing that does it for me about dry wit mm -hmm. it's the implications of a person who has dry wit do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> like so yeah <laughs> no please elaborate <laughs> like i'm guessing he's gonna be kind of a dick and he's i'm into of, that he's kind of a dick so i do like heroes who are kind of a dick but there is a line for me and he just like walked that line perfectly to the point i was actually looking at the amazon reviews for all the other books in the series because i have listened to some of them and i'm always curious to know what people think and like Imagine being such a great character that Amazon recommends his name to you as like reviews that mention the Duke of VA. I'm like, because nobody cares about the other heroes. Every time he shows up in the other books, I'm like, okay, well, shit, now I have to stop working. What oh my do- God. What douchey thing are you here to say? Be still my beating heart, right? Okay, hang on. Do you have any of these books in your vicinity, like near you? I do not, but you, you, because you're looking for, you're looking for a line, right? Let I'm me tell you something. Let me tell you something. And like, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but this episode is now going to go into like R-rated territory. But you should have known because we are talking about romance novels. I texted you about this because I was doing my makeup. I was gonna go out with one of my friends for dinner, and I was oh, waiting yeah, for I- her. I was waiting for Shanute is dying. I was waiting for her to come pick me up and I'm putting makeup on and I'm listening to this audiobook. Mm-hmm. And the heroine, she so like the first man she was in love with left her for another woman because he quote unquote had to like fuck society, right? Yeah. And and she's also having this kind of like thing with the Duke of VA and you know, she just thinks to herself like and she vocalizes it. She's like this is so fucking annoying. I am never going to have a man kneel before me and propose. And I was like, I feel you, girl. But then I was like, Eloisa James, if you do not jump onto this thing that she said and do what I think you're going to do, I will disown you and write you a very angry letter. It switches to the Duke of VA's point of view. And of course, he's like, well, she does want a man to kneel before her. And I'm like, and out loud, I said, Jesus Christ. It was so good. It was so good. (laughs) And this is where predictability becomes fun. Because if that hadn't happened, I would have been like, what the fresh hell is this? (laughs) You are no hero, sir. If you don't take that and run with it. Oh, oh my God. Yes, that was, that's a fabulous See, here's the thing, and I'm going to be very honest. Mm-hmm. I consume. Mm-hmm. How do I phrase this delicately? Girl, we're past delicate. I'm going to talk about some shit. I consume some, like, hardcore pornography. Mm-hmm. Like, some really, like, like I consume suffice it to say okay yes like okay these little these little hints and suggestions shouldn't phase me considering mm-hmm. the content i usually consume but it does every mm-hmm. time every, every time. time every time every time like the heart palpitations I got, like I was going going to pass out. Just I'm just like, I'm trying to do my makeup. What the hell is this? Right? I mean, um, honestly, thank God I have a chaise lounge for us to fucking pass I, out. On. Yeah, exactly. So this is the thing about historicals and why I love them so much is that there is always a promise of tension. And you as the reader will eventually get to the point where you're just so frustrated that... Any crumb is enough. 
And that's mm-hmm. actually a really fun journey to experience with the book, right? Because you're just like, it's going to happen now. Oh my God, no, it's going to happen now. It's going to happen now. <laughs> and, and you know, authors will know how to play that so that you can keep turning the page. And so it's the promise of tension. A historical, a good one to me always has kind of a game of cat and mouse. And when you have an asshole hero like VA, for example, I was guaranteed a game of cat and mouse. And I was like, excellent, mm-hmm. good. And then it's also just like, Little things, impropriety, like just things being improper to society is also really fun because there's that theme of like, oh, I should not be doing this. And you're like, oh, wow, it's so forbidden. You know, a glimpse of an ankle, a disheveled cravat, whatever you want, it's in there. The lifting of you skirts. You want it to be a disheveled. Like the, the, the brief touching of hands as he helps her out of like a fucking carriage. Exactly. Thank you. Pride and Prejudice 2005. When when Mr. Darcy, that movie is like gold. I don't even care. It ended us all. It ended us all. When he helps her onto the carriage and they like zoom in on his hand and he flexes it. I was like, this is the height of sexual tension. Period. <laughs> okay. Can I just say that you guys came over once and we all watched it? Yes. And like when that scene came on, all of us in the room like gulped audibly (laughs) yes because that is what it's about right it's about the tension my problem with contemporary romances and i know a lot of people who like contemporary romances my problem with it is that things happen too fast and i love torturing myself a little bit it can't happen too fast but but i i I mean i don't have this problem it can happen whenever it wants to happen Mm -hmm. but i'll recommend some contemporaries (laughs) But like, no, but there is. And that's the thing. Like, you're coming at it from a place where you like that long, slow burn, that tease. Yeah. Once again, I consume a lot of. Oh, my God. (laughs) But there really is something fucking special about the slow burn. There is. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I live and die for the slow burn. It's the truth. Like, I can um, I can recommend some contemporaries, but for the most part, my biggest criticism with them is that it happens too fast. Probably the only contemporary that I would recommend is Priest by Sierra Simone. But like, Ooh. big, big warning. This is, it's walking the line. Well, no, it's not walking the line. It's erotica, but with more plot than you would expect. And it's because one of my favorite tropes, and we'll go into this later, is actually religious taboo, because why not? Um, And that one is good. I like it. That one is good because Sierra Simone works really hard to tackle really heavy topics in her books, but she does it very skillfully so that you don't feel it. You want to look for it? They're there. She's dismantling a lot of society's problems within her books, but she's also giving you some really good – yeah. Yeah, so she's she's a very skilled writer, right? Like that makes her she's like a triple, quadruple, whatever threat. She's amazing. Nice, nice. I love it. Yeah. So there's a I contemporary. There's a contemporary for all you contemporary fans who, by the way, are wrong. And please read one historical <laughs> and join me. So hang on, I read a contemporary. Like okay, I read a contemporary that was written as a contemporary in like the early eighties. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's historical. <laughs> but something about, and I know that I've said this before, something about those 80s contemporaries really gets me. 
I don't really? know what it is. Yes, yes. And I think, I think I can identify it. Please I identify think, it. <laughs> I think it was like the way women were starting to be empowered in the 80s with their suits and their jobs that they were so proud of and excited mm-hmm. about. Like, I feel like there's so much room for power play at mm. like workplaces and between clients. And I know that you're not into like client professional relationships or coworker mm-hmm. relationships. Like those mm-hmm. are two tropes that you are definitely not into. Nope. I am. Like, mm. I'll take it. I, mm-hmm. What won't I take, please? <laughs> like, I'm the, like, I'm anyone's <laughs> critic. That's, I mean, no, but that's like a really big draw for people in romance. It's the promise of power play. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, it's a huge thing in historical as well. Okay, so I think it's time that we talk a little bit about power play. <laughs> okay. It's time to talk about power play, everybody. Please brace yourselves. What? No, you were going to talk about it. I thought you were going to talk about it. You have a lot to say. Well, I mean, yes, it can go from like a very simple, like, this is the boss, this is the employee. Mm-hmm. And there's like a brooch in propriety or a breach in pro- a brooch. Fuck me. There's like a breach. <laughs> There's like a breach in propriety and Mm. like, oh, he's my boss or, oh, she's my boss. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. there's there's a there's something there Mm. and it can go from that all the way to like a hardcore sex and submission BDSM Mm -hmm. kink type stuff. Mm -hmm. So right now we're not talking about power play in kink because, Mm -hmm. again, I don't want to talk about my kinks on this podcast. Okay, but I do have a novel to recommend where the hero is submissive, but continue. No, I can't do a submissive hero. I cannot. I will not. Our audience might. Damn. Okay, fine. For those of you who want a submissive hero, Shireen, can we please have the title? So uh, I've got a submissive hero for you guys. The book is called The Duke I Tempted by Scarlett Peckham, and she is like killing it out here. She's like a relatively new author, but I'm obsessed with everything she's written. Nude, you can complain a little less because her second book, The Earl I Ruined, did not have a submissive hero at all. Then how did she ruin him? Oh, she just ruined him because she was like a huge gossip. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, so so for your information, the hero in the second book, and this is actually a spoiler, but it's okay, he's supporting his family by, oh, I don't know, basically being a prostitute, I guess, and helping women fulfill their terrible, dirty fantasies. Wait a minute, he's a gigolo? Yeah, he is. I was like, this just went to the absolute top of the list. But I just, I'm saying sometimes they can throw you for a loop because when reading that book, I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) But yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about power play still. Yes. The question that I really, really wanted to get to is, Mm. and again, I'm not talking about kink or fetish here. I'm just talking about basic level power play. One person in the relationship has an upper hand over the other person in the Mm -hmm. relationship. Why is that so sexy? I feel like it is universally sexy. I feel like. Am I wrong? Am I over-exaggerating this? Help me out. No, no, no. I don't think you're over-exaggerating. I think it's largely a trope in like most romance novels. There is always going to be a little power play. And I, I think it's just the... How enticing it is to give up power and just not have to do anything, honestly. 
is a huge draw, right? You don't have to work. You don't have to do anything. You can just give it up to someone completely trustworthy. Are we talking about Fifty Shades of Grey here? We're not talking about Fifty Shades of Grey because Fifty Shades of Grey is not romance. It's also not BDSM. <laughs> it's definitely, it's neither. I don't know what it is. Okay, I do know what it is. It's Twilight fan fiction, and I will never shade people who write fan fiction, but like, what the hell? Um, Can I please, you know what? I'm still gonna shade Twilight. Twilight was not good. Twilight was, Twilight was terrifying at worst and drivel at best. Twilight is YA, so I almost uh, give it allowances for that reason because I don't I like love, YA. I love YA. Like I okay, hate YA. I used to. Harry Potter was YA, right? Um, Harry Potter is YA, but it's not YA romance. Uh, let's go through the things on your list because there are a couple of things that you wanted to talk about. I didn't write them down. Okay, I wanted to talk about tropes. I wanted to talk about heroes, heroines, and flowery language. I okay. feel like flowery language is an easy one to address. Okay. I don't think that flowery language is universal. I think that it is very much a creative choice to write to use flowery language. Do you mean flowery language in general or just when putting sex on the page? Both. I think it's just a choice. And I personally don't read any authors who use flowery language. I will say older romance novels tend to have flowery language, you know, where they just are less direct about things. I No, but that's not what I mean. I mean, like, even while they're direct, like, uh, I don't know. I can't think of an example right this second. But sometimes there's, like, a little bit too much maybe description. Maybe there's a little bit too much focus on the types of flowers. Something like that. Yeah, no, I understand that. That's definitely something, again, it's a stylistic choice. And sometimes an author has done so much research that they just got to tell you about it somehow, some way. Um, there's it's not the, the research parts, though. No, but I mean research about like the types of flowers and what they stand for. Like there's a lot, like honestly, maybe four hours of research can result in one word for me when, oh my I, when I write. So I almost understand when authors are like, let me put a little too much in here. And I'm like, I know, girl, you're 500 years on Google are finally coming to a head. <laughs> um, right? It's pretty okay, much like fine. it's this tweet. There's this tweet that's like, me writing a novel. If I don't find out the price of wool in 1846, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> You've sent like, me this meme. Yeah, but readers don't care what the price of wool was in 1846. No, but you know what? For me, when I come across things like that and it's like 10 cents for a yard or whatever the fuck, I'm like, yeah, yeah. that sounds like a reasonable 1880s price. Right. I'm like, I appreciate that they're not like 20 bucks because I'm like, no, absolutely fucking not. In 1880, nothing costs 20 bucks except maybe a horse and the stable <laughs> he comes in. Dude, I literally believe anything in romance. Like, I, they're like, oh no, the weather in Wales is really bad. The hail can kill you. We must now run yeah. into a cabin that only has one bed to take shelter from the storm. And I'm like, checks out. Checks out 100%. <laughs> I don't know anything about whales, but I fully believe that the hail can murder you. You should both absolutely run into that cabin. Oh, no, it only has one bed. What? Now your clothes are drenched? Whatever shall you do in the apparent three hours it takes for a hailstorm to end? We all know the hailstorm ended hours prior. They were just otherwise occupied. As they should be, because what is the point of romance? 
But that's the thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. can we all agree that the point of romance is to, like, tickle yourself? No, yeah. I mean, like, it should be, honestly, like, my little sister laughed the first time she saw this word uh, in the romantic context. But I'm Which going word? to, I'm going to tell you guys what romance should be. Romance should be delicious, period. Like, I want you to read this and be like, this is delectable. Decadent decadent any anything else i'm like if like i have to be reading a novel and think to myself it's like that gordon ramsay meme where i'm like fucking finally some good food like that is what i want to be feeling in a romance novel okay can i tell you just maybe we'll cut this out maybe we won't we'll see okay I know that it's a really good romance novel mm-hmm. when I'm like in a room reading and then mm-hmm. Mike comes in and I'm like flustered and like embarrassed. <laughs> and he always knows without even looking at the cover, he's like, oh, you're reading one of those shoo books, huh? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. For- yes. The answer is yes. One of those shoo books. You have to be left flustered. You should be able to describe it as like delicious and delectable and whatever other like weird words you want to use. Those should be the Mm -hmm. words that come to mind. That is successful romance, but also successful romance will always do some kind of work. And the romance that I like to read, being historical where women and other marginalized groups didn't have any power, anytime she brings a hero to her knees, it is a destruction of patriarchy. It's a breaking down of patriarchy. And I really enjoy thinking that. So while it is also delicious, it's doing some work, right? Yeah, that's fair. It's very important. Yeah, that's very fair. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that that's a very valuable lesson. Women have the capacity to bring men to their knees. Of course. That's like, that's all you got to know. And you deserve to be loved. That's it. So near the end of this episode, I want to talk about why we should invite aspects of romance novels into our own Mm -hmm. romantic lives and partnerships. Mm -hmm. But before we go down that very important rabbit hole. What do you like in a heroine? I love blue stockings a lot. And a blue stocking is a woman who was who would read a lot and she was like sometimes like academically inclined and those were considered not very great things to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love a blue stocking. She's always super smart. She's kind of an outcast, right? Like she's not popular with the gentleman or whatever. Um, And she just loves something so much, If be it like rocks or plants or books, right? She has like a passion that is not related to like social standing. Nice. Mm. I like that. That's that's a great heroine. Um, I find myself drawn to the innocents Mm -hmm. and the rebels. Mm, Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Are there heroines that you don't like? Stupid ones? <laughs> it's really hard for me to... I, I think the only heroines I don't like are the ones who are just outright mean. And I think there's a difference between being kind of an ass and just being mean. Um, and if the author's not able to differentiate between them in their writing, then maybe you just don't write a mean character, you know? I don't know how often I see mean female characters. 
I've seen them. I've seen them certainly characters with like very, very bad tempers, but not in a charming way, in a way where I'm just like, can you calm down, please? Okay, fair enough. Again, I have like no context for this. I've never read a book where this was like mm-hmm. an issue. But yeah. like I have read some books where like I couldn't get through them because like the heroine just didn't have a sense of self. Mm, th- that too. Would- like she should never mm, because I love I love love. <laughs> but but she should never lose herself in the hero or in the prospect of being in love. Or only be found in the prospect of being in love. She's supposed to exist outside of that. And frankly, what the book should be about, I think if it's a good book, is she is loved despite whatever she thinks makes her odd. And I don't want her to ever lose that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, she can certainly discover more things about herself, but not at the expense of what currently exists within her. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. So are there any types of heroines we haven't mentioned that you think bear mentioning? Yeah. There there are social butterfly heroines, which I actually kind of like. I'm writing a social butterfly heroine. These women are like really into, I don't know, talking to people. They're always usually into gossip. You know, they accidentally <laughs> uh, say too much at the wrong time. And and I think it's like a different kind of intelligence. You know, they're always written off as like being naive and a little like bubbly stupid. But no, I, no, I like those. Those are the innocent characters that I was referring to. Yeah, I mean, like, like for, sweet and trusting for the character that I'm writing now that she knows that she's written off as stupid, but she's not going to change, you know? She enjoys being the kind of person that she is. She thinks she's very charming, um, which she is. I think she's very charming, too. She's very charming. Thank you. And and so she's a lot of fun to write. Um, There, yeah, it's it's interesting. There's, there's, like you're saying, romance is predictable, so we probably covered, like, a lot of ground in that. You know, you have your intelligent ones you do have your sassy heroines and they're usually also love they're usually also blue stockings though those sassy heroines Mm -hmm. always love books or or whatever oh oh my god i don't mean to keep bringing up this fucking book but it's the book where the duke (laughs) of va was the hero um the heroine was so sassy and he's kind of an asshole so i was like here it comes and one of i love it and one of his thoughts to himself is She's a sharp little thing. And I was like, here we go. I'm basically buckling up now because I can't leave until this book is over. <laughs> um, what yeah. was it called again? Please tell us. So that book is an Eloisa James and it's called A Duke of Her Own. It actually has actually has some tropes that I hate, but I was able to forgive them because I love the hero and heroine so much. Which has never okay, happened so to me. Let's, let's let's talk about tropes. Why don't you like just start listing them off and explaining them to me, and mm-hmm. then I'll tell you if I love or hate them, and you can tell me if you love or hate them. Okay, enemies to lovers, love. I, I explain I, it. <laughs> I love it. So this is this is. Here's the thing in romance. The opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifference. So when there is hate, there's still tension. 
And Enemies to Lovers is exactly what it sounds like. It starts off with hate and they eventually end up falling in love. And I think it's kind of a hard trope to write. I'm trying to write that trope now and it's difficult because you need to make it so that they don't really have a reason to hate each other, you know? They're just antagonistic. (laughs) Or, Or... They can just be antagonistic and no one has to get to the point where they don't hate each other. And it could just like just. <laughs> well, that's erotica then. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. It is. <laughs> I'm just saying a moment of loss of control. Oh, no, that has oh, to happen. Oh, my. And, and enemies what to lovers, and enemies to lovers, I think is always really successful when there is that loss of control, and it doesn't have to be in the context of love. It will eventually blossom into love and maybe a more supportive partnership. But the fun of it is that middle bit yeah. where they're still like, "I yeah. hate you," like I hate him so much. He's so annoying. Yeah. Of course, yeah, that is. Yes, but I want, I want, I hate him so much to end with like a closed door and then not a blackout, but more story. Well. Stay tuned because I'm in the middle of writing a novel. <laughs> when are you going to send it to me? I am I am anxiously awaiting it. I know. I'm just being so slow because I'm so stressed. Um, oh so yeah, Enemies to Lovers is one of my favorite trope. Um, let's see. Childhood Friends to Lovers? No. Uh, I hate that. I hate it. I don't care for boring. it at all. I just – it's just like – I'm just like what you know each other like ew I don't know why I just hate that so much it's for me it's like okay so if I have to like imagine it for myself Mm because that's what you want to do with a romance you want to fall into it you want to imagine yourself in there and for me like the only options of like boys we grew up with I don't want to think about in that context Mm -hmm. at all yeah no I'm just like I cannot I'm sorry right exactly no thank you um Slow burn. That's okay. They'll forgive us. Slow burn is a is a trope that I'm obviously I would die for a slow burn. It's the truth. Talk me through it as a trope and not just as a tool. So slow burn basically it really has to start off with the characters meeting and the tension has to be there immediately. I think because the sooner it happens, the slower the burn is, and it has to take forever it to like end with something sexy right and sometimes it gets frustrating and the author has to work really hard to make sure that you don't just get pissed off to the point where you start skipping pages right so (laughs) in my first novel I've done that you have in my first novel I kind of wrote a little bit of a slow burn uh, in that I made the tension happen in chapter two I was like it's happening right now immediately it was very effective yeah, I think it, it can keep you reading, but it ha- there's like a perfect amount of burn, right? There and has to be progression. There has to be progression, and you do have to mix it with like sexual tension that remains unresolved until the end. So, yes, love that. Yeah, so it has to be slow but not excruciatingly so and it does keep people's interest because even though you know it's going to happen a part of you is like when how what context like it keeps you reading yes yes it does it absolutely does it's it's super fun it's one of my favorite ones okay how about forced proximity that's a trope um i feel like no it sounds a lot like settling no, forced proximity in that, 
oh no, we're snowed in. <laughs> There's only one bed. Oh, but like there has to be like some inkling of attraction prior to being snowed in. So the thing, the thing, like, well, if we go with the snowed in trope, typically this happens in the middle of a book where things are just starting to get like intense. So I, I love this mixed in with an enemies to lovers, though, because sometimes forced proximity gives them nowhere to storm off to. Okay, yes, in that context, I will give it to you. But even then, I want it to be... I'm just going to be straightforward. Okay. I want it to be angry. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be. It, does, it, it doesn't mean... It doesn't... Like, it, it 100% can be. I want it to be, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely can be, and I don't think you would be hard-pressed to find that. No, I'm sure I wouldn't be. I mean, I'm not the most creative person in the world. I must have these ideas and desires from somewhere. Well, again, stay tuned, because I'm thinking a closet. I'm thinking an argument. I don't know what I'm writing, but I think it'll be, be up your alley. Place. Whatever it is, it'll be forced proximity. A library! I have so many ridiculous ideas swimming around in my head because I'm going to hit every trope I like in this book because it's just indulgence at this point. So Fucking stay tuned. Yes. Jesus, um, yes. Okay, so I like forced proximity in the context of enemies to friends. I might like close proximity in the context of like couplings, like just romantic couplings where it's mm -hmm. like a couple that's, again, not getting along, being mm -hmm. forced together like i'll take it there too yeah um but i i can't think of like many other ways that like close proximity would be mm, i have like um i have a scene in my first novel because you never read the the revamped version because i've written this 600 times but i have a scene in kind of like a tight place <laughs> Oh no, I'm so attracted to you. It sucks that we're pressed up against each other. What do I do? It can be fun. I believe you. I'm looking okay. forward to it. I want to see yeah. it. <laughs> you kind of just trailed off there and I don't know if it was in disgust or anticipation. Anticipation. Anticipation okay. for sure. <laughs> okay. By the way, I yes. was listening to last week's episode today and we yeah. both trailed off like quite a bit. We were tired. We were dying so, so much. Dying. Like, I've been dying this whole month, so what can I say? Honestly, good for us recording. Yeah, good for us for putting out content. You're welcome, everybody. High five. High five. <laughs> okay, alpha hero, where are we at when it comes to alphas? Every goddamn time, give me that alpha hero, yes! So an alpha is only successful to me if he is broken down by the end. He cannot end as an alpha. He can start as an alpha. I don't care where it ends up. Okay, so for everyone listening, an alpha is driven. He's assertive. He's very much obsessed with maintaining control in all He's aspects. He's often big. He's often big. Mm-hmm. Like yes. a large man, a looming figure. Yes, which actually handsome. leads me into my, one of my favorite tropes, size difference. I do like that. I, I enjoy love that. size difference. I love size difference. And I don't know if it's because it's like, I'm also very small. This is very relatable to me. But like a size difference trope like kills me every time. 
for me, it's the the again the fucking power play when he mm-hmm. is much larger. Mm-hmm. There is much less you can do about it. <laughs> it's true. It's. I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna say no, but I do love that trope. Can I just say, because we're we're going into, like, strange territory, consent is obviously of the utmost importance. And in erotica, as well as uh, romance, I think it is fair to assume consent every Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. an interaction occurs. But I know that more recently, authors have been working really hard to make consent part of the role, like part of the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the thing. If you read really old romance novels, sometimes consent can be a little, it can be like dubious, right? And I'm not into that. But in mm-hmm. romance novels published, I want to say 2009 onward, you're, you'd be hard pressed to find any dubious consent. It's it's all very consensual. And that's what makes romance so fun. It's 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 very often a very safe space. From an erotica and pornography perspective, sometimes there's a disclaimer saying that consent is to be assumed and that all characters are consenting adults, Mm -hmm. but the scene or the role could be a non-consent or reluctance scene, Mm -hmm. which, like, I don't feel like anyone is going to be um, disrespecting kind of the standards of what we expect in romance. Mm -hmm. But again, if it's like a non-consent reluctance scene, you're probably reading erotica and you probably miss the disclaimer. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, that's a trope and some people are into it and we just gotta, you know, if you don't want to read it, just don't like, I, I don't read it. So, but that's fine that other people do. It's totally fine. If there's a trigger warning, it's okay. Yes. Also, please trust that the people who remain beyond the trigger warning and participate in such lifestyles and activities are consenting with their romantic partners. Mm. Like there is a whole ass conversation about limits and expectations and kinks and desires. And everyone emerges from that relationship like fulfilled and satisfied. It's Mm. not just what the scene is. There's like everything before it and after it. There's like there is so much in the community that is ignored because they're like, oh, yeah, whips and chains. Woohoo. No, it's yeah. it's not. There's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. So when I say that I'm into the trope of non-consent and reluctance, I'm not asking for anything. Mm-hmm. I am sharing content that I enjoy. Yeah, 100 percent. 100 percent. Can I hit Thank you with you. another I one? I to make that clear. Yes, hit me with another one. Marriage of convenience. I do like this one. I won't lie. <laughs> it depends how it's done. It, ha- it has to be in historical context for it to be believable. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and that one that one can be very fun because again, you can, can you can mix in so many tropes. Oh, you could mix in marriage of convenience and enemies to lovers. See that? Yep. <laughs> Yep, and then they can't get away from each other. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what about an age difference trope? Where do you stand on that? I am always into it. I am always into it. Yeah, like I am in the novel I'm working on now, I have a 10 year age difference between my characters. I like an older man. Well, yeah, I, I do also like an older man, of course, to everybody listening. We are talking about adult relationships. The one 
there are some tropes that are not allowed to be tropes and anything that kind of veers into illegal activity no no we're not into incest at all never under any circumstances no not even blended family type stuff it's no we are not we don't want to hear about it we don't want to deal with it we're not into it Mm -hmm. we're not talking about it no we're not talking about it i don't care enough about this to even discuss it no but when i say an age difference i'm talking like Honestly, I'll take anywhere from 8 to 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I have my heroine is 25. My hero is 35. Both adults. It's fine. Beautiful. Beautiful. Here's one that you might like. Nude, why don't you tell me how you feel about a kidnapping trope? Yes! (laughs) I hate this trope so much. I know, but I'm so into it assuming consent I'm okay so <laughs> but like when i say assuming consent it's like okay you are exiting the real world and entering a fantasy world the real people in the fantasy world consent but in the fantasy world it's just a fantasy mm, yeah that's you know? fair that's fair and like what's sexy about it is like there's danger Mm-hmm. There's the adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. There's the um, confined spaces for people who like confined spaces. Sensory deprivation for people who are into sensory deprivation, uh, like blindfolds or like um, ball gags or like whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like a kidnapping trope. Yeah, and I completely support that you do. <laughs> How about love triangle? So remember how I started writing an erotic novel? It was a love triangle. It was a love. It was a shape of some kind. But yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, so I actually usually don't like the love triangle trope because I want to focus on two people. But again, this again, not to fucking bring up this book every time, but A Duke of Her Own by Eloisa James had a love (laughs) triangle. And I was like, no. Oh my God. But then I was like, I will stick anything out for the Duke of VA. And I did. And it actually wasn't that bad. I think you have to be, you have to actively try not to be annoying about it. You know, uh, I think it's maybe difficult to write it in a, in a fun way, but I think mm-hmm. it can be done now. So I don't think I would ever seek a book out with that trope in it, but I've, my mind hasn't really been changed. I think I just really love the Duke of VA is the problem. <laughs> um, here's why I like a love triangle. Yeah. Um, because you can have sex happening with multiple people. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, that wouldn't happen in my novels, but yes. But in mine, different sex. <laughs> yes. Yep. I know. I know. That's why I like a love triangle. I know. How about mm-hmm. this one? Uh, Playboy is a trope. Where are you at on that? I'm into it. I'm into it in a historical context only. And this is because I love the rake. I love rakes more than anything. But a rake has to end up reformed. <sighs> Again, I don't care where he ends up, but I like a rake. <laughs> okay, fine. How about scars? I love a scarred hero. what's the story it depends on the story i mean i've read 
I once read a historical, I believe it was by Tessa Dare who wrote A Week to Be Wicked, which changes everybody's life for some reason. No, the reason is because I have excellent taste. But um, Tessa Dare wrote a novel, I'm pretty sure it was her, where the hero um, had been in the army and I guess like a mine exploded and half of his face got fucked up. And he was going to get married to this woman, and she took one and look she at said, him. Not you and your fucked like, up face. Yeah, she was like, "Peace, I'm out of here." And so the seamstress who was making the dress really needed to sell the dress. So she takes the dress and goes to his house, and she's like, "I want my fucking money for this. I'm poor." They do end up married, so it is a marriage of convenience. Uh, I mean, I it was good. I believe you, but I couldn't get past the fucked up face. I'm so sorry. I know, but it can be fucked up in a dangerous way. I like, like, a motorcycle road rash. I like a stabbed in a bar fight. I like a uh, drug deal gone wrong shot to the Mm. back of the leg. (laughs) Readers, take a shot every time I mention the Duke of VA, but the Duke of VA <laughs> had been shot in a duel. I'm into that. I, I was like, like that. I was like, God damn it. This hero, though, written just for sure, and it's true. I just, I love a bad boy. That's what it is. I just, it's the bad boy. I just want the one that you just, you know, from the start, there's there's no good coming from him. And then all the good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about widowers? This is a big no. no. For me. I can't. No. I can't. Hard no. As, I'm sorry. As it is, children and romance novels test me in every possible way. Uh, sometimes I like children. them. Sometimes I like them. Uh, but for the most part, I'm like, please go back to the nursery. And lock the door. I actually, I actually understand the reason why romance novels may have like children or like second loves or loves later in life. I think they're very, very, very important, and I think that they serve a, you know, they they serve an audience that needs them, an yeah. audience that has children and still wants to make time for the more romantic things, but wants to be able to see it as like a part of their lives. Mm-hmm. We're not there, so I don't think that it's fair for us to be like, we're into it or we're not into it, because neither of us has children. I don't want children. And there's, in my mind, nothing sexy about kids running around during activities. So here's the thing. A child will work if they exist to be a reality check to the hero or heroine because children are sometimes more observant. And if they're old enough, they they can say, what the fuck are you doing? You're clearly in love with this person. And that always delights me a little bit because I'm like, this child knows what is wrong with yeah, you. But that's the teenage son who only appears twice in the book, once out behind the house making out with his girlfriend and then once to tell his mom that... You know, that she kid is allowed. Right. That child is a hundred percent allowed. In, yeah, but in I don't want to. But I don't want to call that child a child because they're an adolescent and they're serving the purpose of like a Jiminy Cricket. You mean like and a child? Could, child, like I need yeah, care twenty four seven. Child. Yeah, I mean like I'm gonna be crying the moment someone touches your nipple. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, the good thing about children and historicals is that for the most part, the parents were there's not that involved. There's a nanny. There's a nursery. The door is locked for the most part. I'm like, what child? And then I remember. <laughs> so it's good. I'll give if you one more. If the child is scarce, fine. 
Okay. Okay. I'll give you two more because I'm I'm interested in hearing your opinion on both. What about Virgin, where one or both of our characters has never had sex? Okay. So the book that I was reading like earlier in the week or whatever, Mm -hmm. I don't even remember. A Scoundrel in Her Bed. Ugh, what a great title, though. That's a good title. I'm into it. So in the book that I read, they were both virgins the first time, Hmm. but there was like a bit of a slow burn leading up to that first time. So like I was into it. Okay. But I was much more into it when they like Mm -hmm. met again later in life, like Mm. hating each other. And then (laughs) like, (laughs) like that was more fun. Um. No, when they're both virgins, I don't like it. When the woman is a virgin, I like it because internalized misogyny has helped mm-hmm. shape my tastes and interests. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it can be done. I think it can be done. I I don't really I, care about. I don't care for books that harp on it too much. I like the leadership role mm. that like the hero has to then take of like I will instruct you, and mm-hmm. then that is. Like, that just ties back into, like, my kink Mm -hmm. perfectly, which I'm into it. And that's totally fine. I think it it can be done. It doesn't – it's not like an instant toss-in-the-pile trope for me. Interesting. Okay. Under what circumstances do you like it? I think probably under the same circumstances that you described, although I did listen to a book – it was another El- Eloisa James because I'm on a kick where both parties were virgins and it actually was not terrible. I will say it's not a very common uh, – it's not very common for it's the not. hero. Um, particularly in historicals, you can imagine why the heroines would be because, I don't know, they grew up like we did. <laughs> <laughs> They're so relatable. They're just like us. Um it's and so it's, it's not very common, but I think it can be done because it kind of turned into, oh, we should like, you know, it kind of turned into him being like, we need to take turns showing each other what feels good. And that led to some very interestingly that's a good, that's set a good up line. scenes. Yeah. You know, he's like, I'm going to show you how my body works. Now you I like that. That I'm into. I'm into that. That's good. That's good, solid content. It can be done, right? Yes. Okay. What's the last one? The last one is the last one is Ugly Duckling. How do you feel about Ugly Duckling? Sometimes it makes me sad. Mm -hmm. But like, I think that it's the most romantic. Hmm. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, the falling in love thing, mm-hmm. I find that falling in love to be, I guess, the most believable for me. hmm But also, it's like, I don't know how much of that is my opinion and how much of that is, like, the media that I have consumed. And I don't know how much of that is, like, I was a butt-ugly kid and, like, I'm an attractive adult. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really like the I was an ugly child, but an attractive adult trope. If your character isn't conventionally beautiful, just stick to it. Right? I don't know. I like it sometimes. I like the I like the moment that she takes off her glasses and like lets her hair down. That very um princess diaries moment. Okay, well that totally happens in a week to be wicked by Tessa Dare. <laughs> But it becomes it, it. It's less about her being conventionally attractive at the end of the day, and more the hero is usually at a point where he's like, "Has she always been this beautiful? What the hell?" And you're just like, "Now nah, you're just falling in love." 
Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, I don't mind discard heroes. So that means I'm fine with heroes who are not conventionally attractive, but they have to have other physical things going for them. I'm sorry. My hero has to be like the fucking height of manhood. (laughs) Of male beauty. Hey, I'm sorry. I want my men fucking chiseled. I want them to look like a marble fucking statue built in the 1500s. I read a novel uh, where the hero had a leg injury. Okay. Because his father was addicted to opium and fucking threw him into the fireplace. Oof. Yeah. This novel is called When Beauty Tamed the Beast. And it is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. So he has a limp and is cranky all the time, but he's like a big man. And I was like, nice. <laughs> so I do a not big need- man. Yep. A large man. Like, I don't know what it is, but broad shoulders? Yeah. Always. Yeah. Every time. It just, it works. Like, give me broad shoulders and I will build the rest. Thank you. That is a solid Exactly. Base. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if they're not conventionally attractive, like, facially, if the author, you know, adds in other things, like, yeah, but he's a big brute of a man, I'll be like, that's fine. I like a big brute of a man. Okay, wait. Completely forget wait. everything else. <laughs> I feel like... Now that we're talking about it, how often are the, like, again, we're, we are talking about, like, really cis, het stuff. Oh, yeah. We're sorry yeah. to our mm-hmm. audience. Um, but when the dude is, like, they don't always describe the facial features, right? They don't mm-hmm. go beyond, like, a sharp jawline or a strong mm-hmm. chin, mm-hmm. which is really all you need. Yeah, I don't care about the rest of them. <laughs> Do they mention... Because they always mention the heroine's eye color. It's it's the heroine's eye color is a crucial piece of information in every romance novel. But I feel like sometimes they omit the male character's eye color. Am I insane or am I just like skimming over it because I want to see something else? <laughs> You're looking for other parts of those of these big hulking brutes. Um I I will say that it's definitely not as common to so the thing is what authors will do is they'll zone in on one characteristic because the other character has somehow caught on to it and can't stop noticing it right very often for heroines it's like oh her eyes or her breasts or whatever is visible Smile, and whatever yeah yeah like whatever is visible and or the hero notices first and for the for like for the hero more often it's like oh his broad shoulders his chiseled jaw so like they are specifically choosing things that um actually like matter right however i when i wrote my own book i focused way more on his eyes than i did hers because most of your audience is going to be women and we want to know what we're looking at. Exactly. And I was like, he's always looking at her with such desperation that I had to keep pointing it out. And which is good. Um, but, you know, and and like, so typically I don't see eye color in men. Ladies and gentlemen, take a shot. But the Duke of VA had cold gray eyes and she kept <laughs> mentioning that. Yeah, you're choking because that's so good, right? I was like, so he's an asshole and he has cold gray eyes? Fuck yes! you. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, he's unfeeling and you can't tell what he, what's going on inside of him? Fuck you. I will keep reading this novel and I will crack him open like an egg. Just give him a bad temper and leave me alone for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
So yeah, I, I will say for men, it's always it's always other things. Um, for for men, sometimes it it's a lot of the time it's muscles somehow somewhere. Okay. I was just having a conversation with one of our friends who I won't name. Okay. And she said that she doesn't much care for muscles. Oh, okay. How do you feel about muscles? I am I'm very pro muscle. I am too. Wonderful. Are you kidding? Girl, nothing gets my heart palpitating like some stupid starched up duke with a perfect cravat peeling his clothing off and the heroine being like oh shit he's built because i'm like yes he's built hallelujah jesus <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> gotta be like that you have to it ha- you have to it has to be accompanied by you the reader saying jesus christ even though this- you are not there this episode should just be called Nur and Shirin are thirsty for an hour and 20 minutes after eight. Well, that's that's what's that's what's beautiful about romance is because it kind of removes the shame from things that we have taught to be ashamed about. Okay, so we're pro muscle. I like we're, that. We're pro muscle. Um we're pro a good jawline, we're pro cold gray eyes. Mm-hmm. Um there is a podcast episode that Shushu you made me listen to that was excellent. Yes. That talked about the appeal of the alpha male. Mm-hmm. We are gonna link information for that episode down below in our description mm-hmm. box. Um, but like you should definitely listen to that to explain like more about the appeal of the alpha male. Mm, that but one's Shereen, a great one. Yes, it is for you personally. Mm. What is the appeal of the alpha male? I think it it is their insistence to have control over everything in their lives because I'm always like, nice try, buddy. This woman is going to undo you. It, it's just delightful to watch these men be like, oh, no, I actually don't have control because I just sit there and I'm like, yeah, like, fuck you. You don't get control over everything. The patriarchy's already kissing your ass 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> this woman will undo you and I will enjoy it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about the the coming undone of the male lead. He automatically. Nude, nude. This should this very rarely, and frankly, in my opinion, should very rarely um, ends with him having. I know what you are saying, and I know why you yes. don't like it. But he yes. typically does not relinquish control in the bedroom. I'm talking about outside of the bedroom, socially emotionally okay. and so on so all forth. All right. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care again. News <laughs> <laughs> like fuck the emotional arc. What is going on in the bedroom? <laughs> this is what I'm here for. Yeah. So so the whole appeal of the alpha is that he can play both roles, right? He can be emotionally available and like I don't know fucking cry for once in his life or something, but he does not give up control in the bedroom. I love alphas because they're always like, I've never felt a feeling in my life. And then near the end of the book, they'll be like, what is this terrible feeling? And someone will be like, you're in love, you stupid shit. (laughs) I just want to know why it's always a terrible feeling. It actually feels very nice to be in love. Oh, because these men always have some kind of trauma that they have to unpack. We've all got trauma. We've all got trauma. Even our heroes are not exempt. But I will say more than the alpha, I love, I love the rake. And I love the asshole more than I love the 
the alpha. It's true. For my purposes, there isn't much differentiation required. I think I so these these men are always very powerful, but I think the alpha has some they're just like a lot less willing to share emotions and to speak. And I don't like the strong silent alphas. I don't like them. Well, that's here's why I don't like the strong and silent. Mhm. It's fucking boring. Yeah, I mean like say something. Yeah, because all you ever get from the strong and silent is he glared back stonily. Like, there's only so many ways you can rewrite the line, he glared back stonily, before you're like, is there even anything going on in this guy's head besides just fucking undressing me? I Which mean, is fine. He grunts a lot <laughs> is pretty much what he does. He doesn't speak, he just grunts all the time. And I'm like, can you say one word? But, like, for me, grunting isn't, like, a sign of an alpha male. It's the sign of a disgruntled dad. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> babas don't interact thank you Ew. yeah this is gonna be a no babas episode no it's it's weird like it's it's really difficult to zone in on like what exactly makes an alpha but there's a really clear differentiation between alphas and the rake but the rake can also be an asshole you know so let me clarify then what I like because I'm not certain of the differentiations. Okay. Get this for showing up. We have our hero and heroine staying uh, in the same house and they okay. share a balcony. I like that. Yep. It, like just so that happens that it, just, it just so happens that she maybe strolls out into the balcony dressed in only a towel. Could be that he's in the shadows. It could not be. I don't know. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I thought he was outside. I was going to be like, I would have preferred him in the shadows. And there he is. He's in the shadows where he belongs. I. It could be. It could be. And I'm not saying that this is what happens because I'm trying to lure all of you into this hell that I'm living. It could be that a stupid poet of a man is trying to woo her from below the balcony while our asshole Duke is chuckling and making fun of him like the massive dick he is. See, that kind of shit, like those little personality traits mm -hmm. of like hardness and indifference and mm -hmm. like wry amusement. Mm -hmm. Man, that shit gets me. I know. This book fucked me up. Welcome to hell, everybody. Okay, fine. I'll goddamn download. Is it? Okay. Here's an actual question that I have for you. Not for the podcast, yeah. but like for life. Yeah. Is it awkward to hear a romantic audiobook? Absolutely not. I don't think so. I think maybe your first time you'll be like, oh, what is going on? But for the most part, audiobooks really, really force you to slow down and take stock of every single word. Because when I'm like reading a novel and I'm getting super hyped, I'm like, it's happening. They're going to get together. Sometimes my eyes start to like dance across the page because I'm like so hyped. Or when I feel like it's coming up, right? I'm like, it's going to happen right now, right now. And I just, yeah, you know, so you're missing. Yeah. You cannot glance in an audiobook. You kind of just have to sit there and die a little bit. You're like, oh my God, hurry up. Okay. So more specifically, does the narrator disrupt from the flow of the story because you're like, oh, like a stranger is reading something sexy into my ear. No, for the most part, the narrators that I've listened to are very good at differentiating between their narrator voice, their heroine voice, and their hero voice. Okay, nice. 
So it's kind of like listening to an audio drama. I think you should never feel awkward about reading romance because like I said, romance is at the root of all stories. It is. Why do you think people feel awkward reading romance? Because it is a genre that was spearheaded by women and marketed for women, and we all have a lot of internalized misogyny, so anything that is sold as being explicitly feminine and for women is really easy to fucking hate real quick, really easy to make fun of, too. That's a very fair point. Okay. I just realized that we only mentioned the alpha male and the rake. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should mention, like, two more types of heroes for fairness sake. I mean, like, who are they? Okay, I guess there is, there are just heroes who are plain nice men. (sighs) I can't say I care for them that much. So I read one book. Again, I bought it from the Rift Bodice with you. Um, Again, it was a contemporary in the 80s. And it was like a normal nice guy who like went to this woman who realized kind of on the spur of the moment that she could make her own PR firm out of her father and brother's PR firm. Mm -hmm. So when this client comes in and she's the only one in the office, she decides, okay, I'm going to take him on as my own client. And he's like this awkward IT guy. And -hmm. like she tidies him up and finds that he is actually like beautiful. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a reverse ugly duckling. And like his role was mostly as the nice guy. Mm Mm-hmm. But the scenes were really well written. I think it can be done. It's not a trope that I'll seek out, but it can be done. I don't know. Here's the thing about the nice guy. No guy is just a nice guy. Every actual, Every actual human man mm-hmm. who you meet mm-hmm. is like a, full, a fully developed individual with like their own interests and their sure. own thing. So like just the nice guy is kind of an annoying trope because it really mm-hmm. flattens decent men Mm -hmm. into like this very boring monochromatic thing yeah so yeah i don't know i'm not into it as a trope but like there's no such thing as a guy who's just a nice guy and honestly if someone was like just a nice guy with nothing more to them i'd be concerned that there's something hidden underneath a nice guy exterior and there always is just like in my novel I wrote an objectively nice person. I would argue that he's not objectively nice. Well, it's a matter of opinion. Anyway, uh, I have I have one for you that I actually do enjoy. What about the grumpy, stuffy hero with a stick up his ass? No, no, no. I love to break them, though. I love to see those heroes lose control. I want them to want control. No, I do. I mean, they usually do. That's why they're so particular, but it's different from the alpha. What do you mean when you say stuffy, though? Like, how is he stuffy? I don't know. He, like, she just gets under his skin for some reason, but not in the way Yeah, I like that. Yeah, but he's very set in his ways, kind of, and he doesn't have, like, a great sense of humor. He's always frowning. He's kind of an asshole. But it's different from the rye asshole who kind of is always smirking at you. This no, is an I want asshole. The rye. Who... I want the I rye asshole. You do. Who's smirking I know at me. you do because he's <laughs> yeah. the best kind. But yeah. I'm talking yeah, I about want him. I'm talking about the asshole who kind of is permanently frowning, and she's getting under his skin, and he doesn't know why. Even though the readership is like Jesus Christ, <laughs> I don't know. 
I need an example. I need to read this guy. Like, I don't think I've read this specific guy. Oh, yeah. I was actually just describing the hero of the book I'm working on. He's not stuffy, though. Oh, he's stuffy. He's got to stick up his ass. Not in the scenes I read, Shereen. Well, yes, there's like really weird energy between them. But wait until I take you to London. We'll see. We'll see how stuffy I can make him. He's always frowning. I haven't made him smile once. What about a smirk? I like a smirk. Oh, I live and die for a smirk. Does he Every smirk? time. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I can pull a smirk out of him. I love a smirk. I think a smirk works best on a rake and it works best on like the dry, witty assholes always. Yes. Yes, it does. That, I mean, honestly, you can't top that for me. No, you can't. A dry, witty asshole with a very strong, dominant streak and Mm -hmm. maybe some toys in his boudoir. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bring you so many books, honestly, at this point. I don't even care. I actually have a small pile. Please. Oh, my God. I actually have a tiny pile because there are some books that I read where I'm like, I don't like this nude will, though. A hundred percent. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes. So I'm actually very good at recommending romance novels to people. Like, Yeah, like weirdly good. Listeners, if you have an idea of what you want to read, tell me and I will help you find it because it is out there for you. And and you know what? There's no need to be embarrassed about romance because everybody, everybody secretly loves it. And... It's time to stop being ashamed about enjoying fun stories that end well. The world is kind of miserable right now. It's amazing that we have romance novelists out here being like, you can have a happily ever after as a little treat. Well, Shushu, here's what I think is the real draw that you haven't yet mentioned. Yes. It ends well again and again Mm -hmm. and again. Yes, actually. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to it. Can I just say, and this is slightly unrelated, but I feel like people are usually embarrassed about the covers. I fucking love romance novel covers so much. No, I gotta tell you, I'm not gonna be sitting on like the fucking TTC with like some lady's tit and some guy's hand on the cover of my book. Oh my God. I mean, there are some covers. There are some covers that are just beautiful. And I will share them on our Instagram story. Yes. Yes, please do, actually. Because there are some covers that I just think are so beautiful. And they always have this like, honestly, why can't I just enjoy a woman with her like bodice torn open, hanging on for dear life onto the bulging biceps of a man whose shirt is barely hanging on? Am I right? I'm still not reading it on the TTC. <laughs> oh, I'm reading it everywhere. I don't even care anymore. I'm, how do I put this? I feel like I deal with enough human interaction mm-hmm. without suggesting to anyone mm-hmm. that I may be receptive to a type of interaction I am not receptive to. So um, I will say this to everyone, a lot of romance novels that you'll buy nowadays don't have those steamy covers on the outside. So basically, they'll have a cover usually of the heroine, and she'll just be like in a dress, you know, maybe 
sitting at a desk or on a chair, whatever, like whatever's relevant to her, right? Um, or on maybe a horse. Or on a horse, whatever. And then you'll open up the inset, and this is what they call the cinch, where you see her and the hero together and you're like, okay. But the good thing is, is that you don't have to expose that to anybody. And a lot of novels do this now. And I think they decided to do that so they could encourage people to buy the paperback and like read it on the train or the bus or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're not all a little insane like me, who's just like, I'm gonna just read this at the airport. <laughs> For the most part, they now have that like um double cover that has like a really steamy step back. So I feel like that covers where you can read romance. Mm-hmm. Shireen, why should our listeners pick up and attempt a romance? I think there's a lot of things that you can learn from romance. I think one of our great fears is people is being vulnerable and open. It's like the mortifying ordeal of being known type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think romance can show you that although being known can be a little mortifying, it it can also be very rewarding. And there is something to be said about being vulnerable. So no matter how hard the character and how tough the heroine, there is a lot of vulnerability. And I think Mm -hmm. it can kind of coax your own out. And I think that's really healthy. It's something healthy to experience. And it can maybe give you some idea of how you might want to change the way you approach your romantic partners. It's hard in a busy world to remember how exactly to be romantic, particularly in the world we live in now, which is like always plugged in, we're always working, we can like barely afford to live. It kind of forces you to slow down a little bit when you're reading these books. And it's like, it reminds you, for example, to compliment your partner. Mm -hmm. Something as basic as that. And I think it also teaches you a lot of empathy because it makes you kind of A lot of the times when people do things, it's because they are seeking validation and seeking love. Even in real life, like I think since in the two years that I've like been really deep into romance novels, I've Mm -hmm. become a lot more empathetic and like understanding of people. And particularly, and I told everybody we would come to this because everyone's like, Shireen hates men. I don't because if anything, this has made me even more empathetic toward men and and Mm -hmm. almost in like a pitying way because I'm like, I'm sorry that patriarchy does this to you, like rest in peace. But also, God, you just want to be loved, don't you? I get it. I also want to be loved. It's okay. We both want to be loved. It's all any of us really want. Everybody just wants to be loved. And that doesn't have to be romantic love because in a, in a lot of romance novels, you get like beautiful friendships, family relationships. They just zone in on like the most like most essential relationships, the most fundamental things that you experience. And the most intimate moments of those relationships. Like yeah. while you were saying this, a scene came to mind from the 2005 um Pride and Prejudice movie, mm-hmm. even though the scene was also in the book, but like I'm mm-hmm. remembering like the scene from the movie very vividly, mm-hmm. where where Jane and Elizabeth are sitting in their bedroom and Jane has received the invitation from Mr. Bingley. Yes. And she's yeah. like, she's in her nightgown and only her sister can see her in her nightgown. And like yeah. it's such an intimate moment of like joy and excitement that usually 
isn't immediately witnessed, right? Like when you get oh. news like that, that's exciting. You have to call or text someone. But in romance novels, you get to feel that like that that very deep intimacy that comes from sharing those very private, vulnerable moments with a person, whether that person is a romantic partner or like you said, Shushu, a friend or family member. Yeah, I mean, in Pride and Prejudice also, they have this scene right after um, the ball where they meet Mr. Darcy and Mr. Bingley, and they're, like, talking to each other under the covers. And, you know, Elizabeth is telling telling Jane, like, oh, like, you know, he obviously liked you the best. And Jane's like, what about Mr. Darcy? And, you know, Elizabeth says, well, I would have been able to forgive his vanity had he not wounded mine. (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's just so it's so good, but it almost celebrates the mundane. And I yes. love the celebration of the mundane. Yeah. Actually, in rewriting my novel for the 50th time, because it'd be it'd be like that, everybody. It do. It do. I wrote a scene specifically surrounding that where I made them go outside and garden together. Because oh, that's cute. That's cute. And of course I also was like but also can be a little not cute wink wink um and then he even vocalizes it like i've never done anything like this before because i wanted to zone in on like the the mundane simplicity of being with another person again maybe not even in a romantic context but just in general because we're so disconnected from people and romance kind of reminds you why that's not okay Can I also just say that using these, like, learnings that you and I have been talking about a lot, Mm -hmm. um, I've been reframing a lot of stuff with Mike around the house. Like, Mm. instead of something being, like, a chore that we have to do, it's Mm -hmm. become something we do together to care for our shared space, our home, Mm -hmm. right? And it's been pretty effective in getting, like, garbage off the ground and into the garbage, right? Yeah, so yeah, celebrate mean, the mundane and like the the little things that you get to do with a partner. Yeah. Right? The little things that you get to do, period, as a human being, that you're able that you're even able to have such depth of emotion is amazing. What a thing to have to be able I to mean, to be able to love anything. Forget a person, to be able to love, period. What a beautiful thing. And that's why I love romance novels so much. Hmm. Did we miss any tropes or heroes or heroines or anything that you feel is important for our audience to know about romance? I don't think so. I think we covered it really well. Um, I will say again to everybody, I'm sorry that I'm so predictable in what I read. There's a huge variety of romance out there. Unfortunately, there isn't as much uh, in terms of diversity, and I mean that in every sense of the word, but I know authors out there are really, really doing their best to address it, and hopefully as a genre, it can move forward. And like I said, nothing moves faster than romance, so if there's something you really want and you can't find it, go write it. (laughs) I was just, just, just about to say that. I'm so glad you did. Yeah, go write it. I think there is nothing there's nothing more difficult than writing romance. Uh and that is the truth as someone who's like attempted multiple genres, but it's also really rewarding because it gets people excited like nothing else and it's the easiest one to share with people. It's true. Like I'm not a big 
like romance novel fan. I mostly read like memoirs, I think, is like my preferred mm-hmm. genre. Yeah. But I get excited thinking about this and talking about this. Yeah, because it's 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 something that we all love to think about. God, we all want to love and be loved. That's just that's just unfortunately the way we're wired. Honestly, and for the most part, it doesn't hurt to get horny sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't. It's good for you. I mean, yes. Why not? I, there, it, it's, it's. No, I'm not kidding. It's good for your libido. It's good for your like fucking serotonin and oxy whatever the fuck production <laughs> to like masturbate. It's good for you. Shit. I I also think that for for those of us who grew up in conservative cultures, it helps you learn to let go of the shame that you felt about like inhabiting a body period, you know? Or maybe you can find something sexy in that shame. <laughs> Nude is just not going to let go of this. She just will not. <laughs> when have I ever let go of anything? Girl, I was like perusing the erotica shelves at the Ripped Bodice because I wanted to buy you something. And I was oh like, Oh my God, I love you. <sighs> and I bought a book. I actually picked it up because I liked the cover because it was like black and just had silver lettering all over it. Oh, and wow, I was like, This is so cool. And the only word that's bolded is beg. And I was like, Whatever, add to cart. Oh, yes. <laughs> like I said, my uncanny ability to just pick a novel, it's insane. I will actually, like, ask for the earth to open up wide and swallow me whole if either of my parents or my brother ever heard this episode. We are putting a big, fat, legitimately do-not-tell-Baba disclaimer on this one. Don't tell Baba. Honestly, though, like, my mom knows about my mom edited my romance novel. (laughs) Yeah, but your mom doesn't know about my concerning to Arab mom's kinks. My mom would be fine with it. My mom would not. <laughs> All my mom said, because I was like, mom, what did you think about chapters 14 through 17? <laughs> because, <laughs> because I wrote 30 pages in one night because I couldn't stop. And my yeah. mom just said, good, very realistic. <laughs> oh, high praise. <laughs> <laughs> Which coming from an Arab mom, I was like, oh, shit. So I'm going to win the Nobel Prize is what you're saying. Fuck I'm going to win the yes. Pulitzer. <laughs> like... <laughs> But yeah, guys, honestly, if you can't find what you want, write it. This is is a genre that everybody is honestly either openly or secretly interested in. Your story matters, especially if you're from a diverse background. And I am going to validate all of you who don't want to write stories about people who are the same ethnic background as you, because honestly, I unpacked all of my Middle Eastern trauma in a novel set in England and the Regency. It can be done. Do what makes you happy. It's okay. Your voice still matters. And if you want to write a contemporary, like, Middle Eastern romance... Do it. uh, Have at it. I'd love to read that. Do it. We support you. It. Your voice matters no matter what you write. And I only say that because I felt guilt about not writing Middle Eastern characters. And I was like, what? No. This is still still about me, right? And my feelings. And And it will be about your experience. So... Just write it, and if you don't want to write it, uh, DM us, and I'll help you find a book. Or if you don't want to write it but want it written, hey, how about this? 
spur of the moment decision. How about when we release this episode, we also add to like our stories and on our Instagram, like give us your idea for what like you want a romance novel to be. And then you and I could spend an episode like trying to build an outline based on like our favorite suggestion. Oh, hell yeah. 100%. I would do that. Doesn't that sound like fun? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, amazing. So listeners, please send us your idea for a steamy romance. And Shireen and I will outline it in an episode. And then that can be like a writing workshop from you. And yes, Mm -hmm. you are 100% qualified to give a fucking romance writing workshop. Um, Okay. And I also will be here because I'm a (laughs) (laughs) co-host. Hey, hey. Okay, listeners. And Nude doesn't want me to advertise this heavily, I'm sure. But like, she's very good at erotica. I cannot write that. (laughs) It's a skill. (laughs) I just like creative fucking. You do, but like, I'm, it's a skill in and of itself. Like, from a craft perspective, that's very difficult. Thank you so much. You're very. You're kind. welcome. Yeah, I I respect all. I respect all of the subgenres. Honestly, look, I respect the fucking work that it takes to sit down and say, "I'm going to write a novel and then write a novel." It's I. <laughs> I applaud you. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, man. This has been a great episode. I enjoyed it's this. Been, it's been thoroughly. very fun. I'm going to take us out. Please. Okay. This has been yet another episode of Don't Tell Baba. We hope you enjoyed it and hope you'll stick around for more. Our music is by Amar on Fiverr. His username is CH6K0R. Post-production is done by Nude's husband, Mike. So thank you, Amar and Mike. Thank you, guys. For more shenanigans, find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Baba Pod. If you want to drop us a line, call us at 530-32-HEADOM. That's 530-32-42726. We'll see you next week. And remember, and I'm putting special emphasis on this, don't tell Baba. I swear to God, if anyone tells my father, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> We're going to be so mad. So mad. Also, um, just to close this out, we are going to be, I guess, this episode will come out after. We will already have been at Yella Let's Talk conference. Yeah, we will uh, have. We will have. It will be excellent. Hopefully, we had good Instagram content for you, but um, hopefully, we will have the YouTube link for that soon so you guys can watch our talk. But we're very oh excited God. about it. I'm, oh my God, <laughs> the heart palpitations. I know, right? It's not even because of a Rai hero, it's because we're speaking at a conference. Funnily enough, they're very different palpitations. Like, you know oh, what know. kind of palpitations happening. Oh, I know, Nude. I dropped my entire bottle of uh, my entire concealer tube because of no. that. Oh, sh- no, I like because I, I was just so shook. It's like, oh, she wants a hero. She wants a she wants someone to kneel before her. And it just fell to the floor. I was like, I'm dying. I think I'm having a, like an aneurysm. <laughs> so it is a different kind. It is a different kind. Okay. We're done. We're done for real. <laughs> I love you, Shu. I love you, dude. Love you all. I love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>